Hey, everybody, it is Garen and Jordan coming to you talking about the second to last uh, series on. Oh, I, you think I know what it's. I always want to say that it's God at work, but it's yeah. not God at work. Yeah, your work matters. Your work matters. Yes, your yes. work matters. This work series matters. that is uh, just talking about what it means to bring God into your workplace and to bring a, to be a bringer of restoration wherever you're at and not just letting that be inside the four walls of church, but right. letting it go wherever we go. Yep. And so you've been talking about just what that means and that there, that's what God intended when he made us and the, the clues are all over uh, the Bible for that. And so that's been really good. And this week was a little bit of kind of coming to a head a little bit, I thought. Yeah. We kind of been taking some things that you had taught us and really you kind of told us practically how we could use them. Yeah. And in first service, they said it was the the last one. So I was like, oh man, I gotta take really good notes. This is the last one. <laughs> and I got to staff meeting and you're like, oh no, uh, they made a mistake. We have one more week. So I shouldn't have paid that close of attention. Yeah, you just should have. I could have just it then. Yeah. Yeah. So you you started with something that was really, I don't know that we have a good grasp of this in the church, but something that's really important. And it's the fact that we are exiles in culture. Yep. And so Very could you so. first just maybe break down what you mean by that? Because to the average listener, we may not we may not be tracking with you on that. Yeah. I mean, way, I think the way you used to hear it in church is like, we're living as aliens in a foreign land, but we're not in a foreign land. We're in our home culture, but it's it's not kingdom culture, right? It's not the up, down, upside down values of the kingdom. And I think we feel it more than ever. Because it used to be the church was at the center of culture for a long time, but it's not that way anymore, and people feel it. And I think so. I think I I wanted to to me this text is important because it points to restoration, but it also talks about I think how we are to engage culture. Because a lot of people wrestle with that. What do we do? Do we fight it? Do we just fit in? Do we give in? Do we separate? And it's really none of those. It's we we engage it practically as a faithful presence. You know, actively, positively seeking. Seeking the common good of where the place God put us, that's his desire. I think the the common pushback on that might be, okay, that's <clears throat> that's nice, but you don't understand like what they're trying to teach my kid in school or what they're trying to show my kid on YouTube or the things that I hear at my office. Like you don't understand how bad it's gotten. And maybe you would point point someone who says that to the Bible and say, Well, if you look at Jeremiah twenty nine where this was written, like the culture they oh, were going was, into. Yeah. It was so bad they were, you go to Book of Daniel, they're changing the names of people to reflect the names of Babylonian gods. Right. Yeah. It's So until you go to your workplace and someone renames you after yes. a false god, Yeah. Th- I mean, they get it. It was bad. It was very bad. And they're still not saying, hey, grab your axes. We got to fight culture. They're still saying what? Hey, we've got to pray for our culture. We've got to seek the peace and prosperity of our city. We've got to be restorers wherever we go. Yes. Yeah, that was God's call to people living in a very tough situation. And so if that was his call to them in that situation, then we know that God is also calling that, asking that of us in our situation, yeah. right? And it's not too difficult. No. And it's what Jesus did, and it's what Paul did in the Roman Empire. Um, you just see this consistently throughout Scripture. It's it's being kingdom, you know, redemptive agents in it. and working within it to bring salt and light, which is a whole nother sermon on this whole topic. But at some point I wanted to come back to this exile thing and talk about that and salt and light and how do we positively engage culture. So, But it is so easy for us to feel like culture warriors. Like that's what we need is to be at war with the evil present yeah. in culture. And we're not saying that culture is not evil. Right. And we're not saying that, you know, 
our country, a lot of things happening and in the world and in the hearts of people everywhere aren't bad. And we shouldn't pray against those things. Right. And we, we do nothing against that. That's not what we're saying. But our mindset, what's our primary mindset? Yeah. It's seeking the shalom. The, yeah. The, that's what the, it's praying for it. I mean, that's what Jesus talks about. Pray for your enemies, right? Whatever. I don't want to use that word, but uh, yeah, it, this is how he, they were to engage. I think I find it so helpful. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. It kind of feels easier to just hate the person that disagrees with me, right? Like <laughs> it's so easy, right? <laughs> to put or, them in that camp of the other, yes. and we don't like them, and they're evil, and they're the problem. Yeah. To demonize somebody who yeah. doesn't vote like I do, yeah, or stands for different morals than I do. Yeah, it's way easier to just create a category in your mind for those throwaways. Yeah. But Jesus says, no, everything is renewable. Everything is going to be made right. And so you got to join me in that. Yes. You don't get to just throw people yeah. away. Right. Yeah, I almost, I didn't do it, but I almost went and looked at the all the, the different religious responses in Jesus' data culture. And they had all, they had to fit in. They had to fight it. They had to run away from it. All of those were present. And that's not what Jesus did. Hmm. Jesus positively engaged proactively people. He met them where they were, had compassion for them, loved them, was good news to them, spoke truth to them when it was needed, but he was actively engaged. He was he was living out Jeremiah 29. Hmm. Yeah. It's sometimes I think about what it'd be like to see Jesus in, in our culture in our day and age. And it's just hard to imagine him hating the person on the other side of the political aisle or, you know, showing up at a rally and screaming at somebody that he didn't agree with and holding a sign that said that God was sending them to hell. Like this just, you know, sometimes our responses to things, they feel so right in the moment, but you think, man, is that how Jesus would handle this? Yeah. And it's so clear. Yeah. And and people that he faced that were trying to do way, I don't want to say way worse. I don't want to minimize what we're up against, but, you know, doing evil things as well. And he never reacted like that. Yeah. And the complete opposite, actually, to the chagrin of the people around him. Like, Jesus, are you serious? Yeah. Like, come on, we got to do this. And he's like, no, there's a way bigger fish to fry here. There's a way bigger fight to be had. And it's not against this person. It's it's against something else. Yeah. So. Yep, exactly. Pretty challenging. So I, that text, Jeremiah 29, 1, 7 to me is very significant in how to relate to culture. So, and that's why I, I went to it. It's, it's a big one for me. You kind of laid out this timeline, this story of, you know, there's creation and shalom and then there's sin. And so there is uh, brokenness that comes out after that. And then, you know, now we're living in this era of partial restoration where Jesus has ushered in the new kingdom. We see flashes of it. He brought pieces of it here, but it's not complete right. because we still live with sin right. and um, the brokenness that sin brings. But one day when Jesus returns, there will be a complete restoration of all things. Yes. But I think this little sliver here, and, and if people remember kind of the map, it's it's between when Jesus came and when he leaves, it's this partial restoration. And it's like, we got we to remember that we're living in this. Yes. And sometimes our minds are like, wow, it just feels like everything should be made better by now. It just right. feels like everything should be good to go. And I don't want to deal with death and sadness and brokenness and all this. But it's important to remember that we're looking forward to that hope. Yes. And that we're not living in a time where Jesus hasn't shown us a little bit of that. Right. I mean, he came and was that pocket of yeah. heaven, and, right? And his spirit's in us, and we're that pocket of heaven now. And so now we to take degree. that places, yeah. yeah, which is why it's so important that we go out and be restores yep. too. So that need for us, you know, I know it's probably jumping ahead, but to me in this story, so you have creation, corruption, restoration, that we're we're living in the middle of all of this and that we're anchored to the past. We know the story where it began. 
with shalom in Eden. We're, we're tethered to the future. We know new creation's coming so we can live with hope and making a positive impact in the now. When nobody, you know, people are tired of the what is, of the what is right now, the is, how things are. And so we're to, to live positively in that, in this time. So. Yeah. And you showed us that visual. It was that cruise ship that's kind of sitting between two cliffs and it's rooted on, it's anchored right. on both sides. Right. Yeah. And the language there is that, you know, there's the, there should be, it should be this way. Well, this is what life is. And then future is what it will be, which yeah. is new creation. And just like you said, living in a tension between those two things. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're really anchored and tied to those. And we know those are reality, but most people don't. All they live in is the is. Yeah. And they don't, they don't know about Eden or they, they do, but they don't believe in it. They don't know about new creation and they're just struggling in the present and we can be a taste, a signpost back to Eden and foretaste of what's coming. I'm all over the map with this dude, but no, that's good. That's, it's really perfect. And I had a professor at Sterling that would call this the already, but the not yet. Yes. Uh huh. And so we've already seen the coming of the next kingdom kingdom with Jesus. And it's inside us, like you said, and it's up to us to spread that now. So already the new kingdom is here. Yes but it's not yet complete. But not yet complete. And so we live in that tension, right, of that. Which is why I kind of, when I went, ended that we're, and again, I'm jumping all over the place, but to me what's so significant is you can talk about restoration that we become unrealistic and we think we can change the world. And I can make an impact, but it's going to be partial. And there's thorns and thistles and not everything is going to happen that I envision happening. And so for me to chill out a little bit with expectations and do the best that I can to influence, to be a restorer where God put me. But yeah, we're in that already, not yet. Very much so. That I, yesterday, I just referred to it as a time between the times. We're kind of, we're kind of in the, we're, we're corruption and restoration of overlapped kingdoms entered and we're living in this overlap period. And it's, that's what we're called to, that's how we're called to live, so. Is that eschological tension? Is that like the Bible word for that? Uh, that is the Bible. I think that popped Greek. into my head. So some yes. little like hyperlink from yeah. in in some from probably from Sterling. But yeah. yes, they call this that eschological that tension of we're in this overlap of the ages right now. Correct. Okay. And but trying to be an impact, a positive impact by engaging our culture positively and actively by seeking the shalom of our city. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And shout out Dr. Craig Smith. Uh, how many years later that one popped back up? So whatever lesson you taught, it was really good. I remembered it. But that is so important to remember that we should be realists and we don't walk around starry-eyed like, oh, if, you know, it's great. I should show up to my place of work and say, I'm going to be a gardener today. I'm going to be an agent of restoration. Yeah. But to temper expectations. Yeah. Because we're not in complete. Uh, a completely new kingdom yet, right? Yeah. And things aren't going to go perfectly and people are going to resist us and not understand yes, us. Exactly. And even put up walls yes, to our restoration. Yes. yes. And right. so. And dude, I mean, and, but we work in a church where that never happens, right? No, we're all on the same team and there's never anyone who's upset about anything and everyone's so happy and it's great and nothing ever goes wrong and budgets always work perfectly. Yeah. That's I mean, and if we experience it here, anybody can experience it, right? Yeah, right. That we never see our visions totally fulfilled. Yeah. We think we do this and all these people show up and maybe they don't. And that's okay because that's just the reality we live in. Because people are messy. Yes. You know, so anytime you're working around people, <clears throat> it's going to be messy. And that's okay because that's how life is. Yep. You kept talking about my hometown yesterday, Garden City. <laughs> yes. So this Garden City metaphor, what is well, if somebody just kind of zoned in and zoned out, what is that about? I mean, it's two things. That one, Babylon was a garden city. It was famous around that whole er that whole Mediterranean world, that whole area. They knew that that city was famous for its gardens. And he's telling them, 
I want you to plant gardens and bring shalom, which is referencing back to Eden. So he's saying, I want you to bring the ultimate garden into this city that's famous for gardens because mm. it needs to be, there needs to be more of that Eden here than there is. And it also points to the, this, the future. New creation is a garden city. It's a city, but the garden is there. It's a combination. And so just that whole idea of, of the story again, of bringing Eden and of bringing that future garden city into the place that I'm at. And I just think it's cool that the, all this happens in Babylon, and it was a city known for its gardens. And he's saying, plant gardens and be Eden to those people. So, One of the coolest things that I find about the Bible are these long common threads throughout the yes. whole thing. Yep. That it starts with this Eden scene, and it it you know he talks about that we're to restores and gardeners everywhere, and then it culminates in a garden yeah. that is also a city. It's yes. like there's no way you can read the Bible with any level of understanding and not think, man, this is one unified story, and it's all talking about the same thing throughout this whole thing. And it's not just this random these random sixty six books. Like there are themes that are throughout, and it's the same God who inspired all these people. It's just really neat when you see those little things pop up. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah. Yes. Okay, he still uh-huh. wants us to do that yep. here in this place. Yep. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. As far as making our city into a garden city, into being restores, you gave us four practical areas of restoration. You said spiritual, social, physical, emotional. Spiritual was how I relate to God. Right. Social was to others. Physical was to the world. The, world, the, the physical, physical world. world. And then emotional was to myself. Yeah, how I relate to myself. Right. And so you're talking about we should be restorers in those four senses. Is yep. that is right. That right? In all four areas, we should be asking, like, in my environments, where do I see brokenness? And these are these give you four areas to think about it. And then I'm like, where I identify it, then I can seek to be a restorer in that area. Hmm. So maybe as we kind of wrap here. The questions that you gave us were so good as we were leaving. So maybe the the send-off for this is that same kind of thing. In those four areas of restoration, spiritual, social, physical, emotional, is there one where like as soon as we said it, you're like, oh, man, that's really broken around me, or I can really think of this one thing yes, that right. needs a lot of attention. Is there something, a situation that needs attention, something where you can today, like as soon as this ends, like get to work on restoring that Yep, and really just go and be the hands and feet of Jesus in that. Yeah. Maybe there is. And if there is, we encourage you to, to get practical with it because Garen, as many cool things as you say from the stage, it doesn't really mean anything unless we take it right to the next level. Right. And take it right. And unless it goes from Sunday to Monday, that's what you said. You said Sunday is for Monday, Yeah, which is so, it's so true and it's so good. Yeah. Because I think the temptation is to sit there, for me at least, with my notebook and say, oh, Garen, that's so spot on. Yes, yes, yes. Right, 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 right. Writing all these things down. And then Monday, if it doesn't make it off of the page in my notebook and into my life, then it doesn't really yeah, matter. right. So we encourage you to be restores where you're at and to live with that kind of intentionality and not to just come and say, yeah, I resonate with that, but to really ask those hard questions of yeah. yourself. Maybe the final question, this is just the first one of those that you gave us yesterday. You asked us, in what areas of my life has God given me influence? And we all have influence at some place or with some people to some degree. Yeah. So even on those four, if you're blanking, like, man, I'm not even sure where to start. Maybe just start with where you have influence. Yes, that's, yep, start with that and, you know, write that down. For me, it's my family. I've got friendships. I am in a neighborhood. I do live in a city. Mm-hmm. Um. I have a job. I'm pastoring a church. I've got a flock here. Yeah, just identifying what are those things, right? Starting there, and then with those four categories, like okay, where in my family 
in one of these areas, like, what do I see? Is there any brokenness in here? Is there spiritual, emotional, you know, the social, the physical, and identify maybe the big one and just prayerfully go to work at it to the best of your ability. Yep. Sunday is from Monday. So if we're not asking those questions of ourselves, then we're um, not putting it to use, right? We're just reading it, but we're not being about it. So, okay, let's think about those things and uh, put it into practice this week. So next week, kind of a teaser. Last one. Yeah, it really is it's, last one. I'm not going to give what the the metaphor, or the the words that go with it, but I think it'll even help us to ask the question in these four areas: How do I need to be at work restoring? So I'm trying to even drill it down a little deeper. So, I actually preached a sermon last January that was setting this up. So, I'm excited to get back to it. Oh man, that is going to be good. Hey, I do have to knock you before we go though. Um, the the spoons at the back were a nice touch, but. Yeah, I know. I like totally blew it. But somebody said, you know, would have really brought this home <laughs> if we had one of those huge, you know, buckets that they scoop the ice cream out of at Brahms. If we had that back there, so we could all try. Everybody the ice could cream, try it on the way out. I yep. would have really nailed it. So, but then, as you know, we wouldn't have gotten the right flavors for about half oh, the people. Sure. We'd have brought cookie dough, and, and then like, oh, yeah. And what about the? Where's the chocolate chip? I milk? like I like cookies and cream. And you can never please anybody. Yeah. So yeah. where's the sherbet? Where's the you really dodged sorbet? Whatever. People yeah. that like sherbet, we don't. That's your cue to leave, though. <laughs> if you have the full, is it thirty-one flavors at Baskin Robbins? Yes, thirty-one. If you have the full thirty-one to choose from, and you pick sherbet, <laughs> no. I was talking to somebody about that yesterday. <laughs> what are you doing? Maybe orange on occasion, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, guys, we hope this was useful for you and we look forward to uh, one more next week. So we'll see you.